0: Yeah! There
1: it is! You've been waiting all week And there it is! Wherever you are, whatever you are And however you happen to be listening We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to D.L.B. See what I did was I thought I was I thought I, I put too much stuff in And I thought I was I was gonna have to rush And then I rushed And then I was early That's what I did, Christy But that's okay! <laughs> because show is starting and i've lost my place (laughs) ah welcome to dlc your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash dlc pod they bring the show to you the generosity their support makes this show possible and we are grateful We are extremely grateful, and in fact, they get some cool stuff in exchange, including ad-free episodes, video versions of the show on demand, and bonus content galore. They get those spoiler chats. They get an entire season of a show called Feeling This, where Alex Solman and Christian Spicer talk about the feeling behind video games. Season two being recorded now, and every week at the Cool Ranch level, you get patrons the paid dlc program which comes out on wednesday and is a cavalcade of fun a, a joyous uh raucous uh nonsensical madness inducing fun time where lana Bashinsky and christian spicer and i talk about all manner of crazy things but this show The main show, DLC, is a show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, A spell with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's sporting a pretty stylish hat. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian! Hello, Jeff. Thank you.
2: It's a killer logo made by Corey Schmidt. And have you... Uh, have you seen the VR game they're working on now? Uh, it looks real good. All this stuff is real good. It's real good. And I'm real happy to be here. And episode three of Feeling This has been recorded. Nice. And we're going to get it edited. And then we're debating whether we hold all ten and do, you know, kind of batch release some of the way we did for season one or maybe start releasing them after we get five recorded. We're doing video versions for them. So they're taking a little longer to edit and get out. But they are happening and they are awesome conversations and the, the game dev knowledge that Alex brings to the table and the conversations is, um, dare I say, a
1: must listen. He's so good. Incredible. Yeah. And patrons at any level get that show. So get over Indeed. there. Patreon.com slash DLC pod. But hey, today we got, a, we got a bustling show for you. We got some big games. We're in the middle of this crazy release schedule with huge games to talk about. Destiny's expansion. They're, the next Souls-like. That sounds very, very good. We got uh, some awesome news to discuss. We got more PSVR 2 to talk about. It's going to be a jam-packed show once again. And ladies and gentlemen, we have an awesome guest to do that with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm excited because DLC stands for Dedicated to Leisure and Cartoons. Because we have the self-described video game and anime nerd and senior editorial producer at IGN. Mitchell Salzman joins us for the first time.
3: Hey Mitchell. Hey, what's up? Oh my god, that intro was just just the coolest thing to be able to to actually be a part of it. I've heard it on your guys's podcast a couple of times, but to to be in that energy is is a whole other thing <laughs> well
1: thank you welcome i did uh mess it up pretty good but that's okay that's okay
2: <laughs> i appreciate you got it. the part that mattered you 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 fumbled the dlc speak and spell coming at the right time but yeah. then you recovered your own fumble well, jeff and what i it thought back. was i
1: was like oh i'm doing too much stuff right now i better uh speed it right right up and then i sped it right up and then there it was uh too early you know well and to me I, it then... was perfect wow oh. Thank you, Mitchell. <laughs> oh, let's end the show there we're show. not
2: that's it no we did it we did it that's we it it was it. perfect yeah. thanks for hanging out <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> um let's get right into it because like i said we got tons to get to ladies and gentlemen so let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week it's the story of- Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments, questions, opinions, anything. We love hearing from you. dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send us, uh, where you contact us. You can also get a hold of us and other members of the community in a couple of different places. One is our subreddit which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, or our Discord, which is also 5x5dlc on Discord. Great folks hanging out, talking about the show, talking about video games and all sorts of other topics. Become part of the community. Hang out yourself. Do it. But Mitchell, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week?
3: Well, I don't know if it's the most important story of the week, but it's the one that uh, I'm most excited about. Uh, Final Fantasy 16 previews kind of you know came out from a bunch of different different sites and uh man as someone who who likes final fantasy but loves character action games i am so excited to see how this little experiment turns out where you know they they're kind of meshing the you know the intense story driven nature of a final fantasy game with the you know un- unbelievably fast uh you know skill-based combat of a game like devil may cry and they even have uh someone who who worked i believe like one of the game directors of devil may cry 5 on the staff for final fantasy 16 yeah um so you know getting to see a lot of the the previews was very exciting because i feel like there's a lot of a lot of uh action rpgs that kind of you know say that they have uh devil may cry like combat or you know an action game like combat and i feel like what they mean is you can launch uh, an enemy up in the air and do like an air combo and and you know that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but for me when you say that your game is like devil may cry it it tells me that you're you're emphasizing style you're emphasizing uh a bunch of options in your in your combat and you know Instead of having those options necessarily be about the the, the function of like how they, you know, a, attack target we- weaknesses and stuff like that, it's more about giving you a bunch of options so they have a bunch of toys in the sandbox. Um and getting to see some of the, the previews of Final Fantasy 16, I feel like they get that. Um so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they actually combine those because it's like you know the focus of an action game is very different than the focus of of an RPG when it comes to the encounter design. With a with a, an action game, you get into an encounter and the developer knows exactly how powerful you're going to be. With an RPG, like they don't know what your your loadout's going to be. They don't know what uh you know how you built your your party out. So I, I think there's a lot of interesting questions that I'm going to be very curious to see how they actual t- uh, how they actually tackle it in Final Fantasy 16. But uh, I'm curious what what you guys think about it. Are you guys excited about it as I am? Yeah, this this is a
1: really fascinating turn of events for me. I mean, this is something obviously the Final Fantasy franchise has sort of teased slash baby steps its way into... Uh, in the last several iterations, you, you've seen, you know, it's say there's still kind of turny basty kind of things happening, but it's a lot of action if and a you lot pause of pause real- it and go into the menu sub menu. <laughs> yeah. You'll and cover one things. eye. You
2: can
3: <laughs> queue up attacks
1: and sort of plan, th- but you're also pressing X a lot to sm- swing your sword. You know, it's very much almost been there. And it feels like this is the, the finally arrived. It's uh, we are fully Gandalf the White now. We've we've attained our final form. We've leveled our Pokemon up. We are now fully evolved into being an action RPG. And uh, as you mentioned, Mitchell uh, Ryota Suzuki, who was uh, who was at Capcom for Marvel vs. Capcom Two, Dragon's Dogma, Devil May Cry Five, is the combat director on Final Fantasy Sixteen. So it's it's got the pedigree of of some really great. Action games. And uh I, I for one prefer a, a turn-based. Like I feel like these JRPGs, you know, I, I grew up selecting stuff from a menu, watching numbers shoot up on screen. I like that kind of thing. I love a turn-based game, but I haven't really enjoyed the hybrid thing that's been happening in Final Fantasy. The the like not quite committing 100% to the action stuff and just kind of it never felt like it was owning either side of that line. It felt like it was trying to straddle that line and not to my money didn't do it very well. It didn't cap- captivate me. And so maybe this is the the best the best uh eventuality. Maybe this maybe this is what it should be is that they just embrace this 100%. It's a action game. I think this is why uh, a lot of these outlets got previews. Now it's it, they they kept reinforcing the fact that this was a demo made for media. It really wasn't a story demo. It was just to show people, hey, prepare yourselves. Final Fantasy is gonna be an action game, full full stop. And I'm glad you're excited about it. I, I think I think this could be very good. But I'm I'm curious, Mitchell, what you think about the sort of blurring of the lines? I mean, is horizon zero dawn uh, a role-playing game is god of war a role-playing game the witcher has full action combat right so i feel like we're in this place where these open worldy big uh, role-playing experiences we've had a lot of them that have full action combat
3: maybe that's just where gamers want to live now is 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 that accurate you think yeah you know it's it's tough it's funny i did a Back at IGN, I did a list of like the 10 best action games and I had God of War 2018 uh, very high up there. I think it was actually number one. Um, And a lot of people got really mad at it. You know, even though God of War 2018 is such a beloved game, people don't like to consider that game an action game because I think it goes back to what I was kind of talking about. Action games are all about, you know, creating these encounters where they're, specifically designed for how strong you are at that point in the game. Whereas you have, you know, games like God of War, you can be, I, and I th- actually think God of War 2018 does a, a good job of kind of limiting you to to a certain strength by, you know, saying you can't go here yet. You can't, you know, over-level yourself. You can only, you know, upgrade your weapons so much before you get to this point and you start getting, you know, this upgrade material. So I have a feeling Final Fantasy sixteen is going to be kind of a similar kind of deal they they already said that it's going to be uh not it's it's not open world it's going to be much more like i think open linear is kind of like the way Mm -hmm. a lot of people describe it um so yeah you know it's i i do think that that is kind of the, the direction that rpgs have been going for for a while i think uh a lot of people especially the newer generation are kind of more used to having more control in their, in their RPGs. Um, but that said, you know, I, I still, I also love turn-based RPGs and I think there, there should be room for both of these types of RPGs to exist. And I think it's really great to see games like Octopath Traveler finding an audience um, while also we have, you know, this kind of evolution of the action RPG from such a mainline or from such a prominent series like final fantasy uh
1: final fantasy yeah yeah christian uh you know i'm i'm curious what what you think about this i know you've never been a huge final fantasy uh fan but uh is this the kind of thing that will bring you over i mean you like you much prefer third person action games you you like a devil may cry does this make you more interested in final fantasy
2: yeah ryota suzuki being the combat designer on this like instantly piques my interest and i it, uh i'm not trying to argue semantics i think you're right jeff i'm not not a fine i don't dislike final fantasy it's just never been right my kind of game per se you know it's not like ooh, i hate this it's just like i know the types of games i like and it hasn't been making those what i like about this and what i've liked about final fantasy uh from afar as an observer and you know critic analyst in this video game space is how final fantasy isn't anything in so many ways <laughs> and I, I mean that sincerely right anything,
1: like you, anything specific you mean it isn't limited to being the same yes. thing every time yeah i get Yes, you.
2: like we get we're getting the new um bayonetta and it's like the origin storybook story and it's like oh we're doing something different this isn't what bayonetta is or horizon call of the mountain it's very different you have to set the stage like it's not it's not like your other horizons this is different it's going to be this experience you're this other person and for so many games they're you know uncharted you know what an uncharted game is going to be um halo you know what a halo game i guess they have done some rtss but like the main line thing is going to like this is what type of game it is and final fantasy for a long time was kind of doing turn-based action but it also never limited itself to that it also wasn't one protagonist or one antagonist or one setting it's not like oh final fantasy that's that cool medieval um rpg story i like no, that was only the second one. The fourth one was sci-fi. The third one was underwater, you know, whatever. And it like, constantly reinvents itself. Fourteen was an MMO, and it wasn't Final Fantasy colon MMO. You know, it was final Final Fantasy. This is what it's going to be. And so I like taking a big swing on something different again for sixteen. And coming out of these hands-on, there was you know some interview or some. PR lines thrown out there, like, we want this to be a mainstream hit. That is the point of this game. Final Fantasy games are big games, and we think that this is the best path forward for achieving that, and it seems like they've brought the right crew together to hopefully make that happen. My only reservation about it right now, and I know they specifically have not talked too much about it, but I'm curious how serious it is. Um I think it was Polygon's headline it's like it's a mix of Devil May Cry and Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is very
1: serious except that you ride on a giant <laughs> bird sometimes.
2: <laughs> right yeah exactly. yeah right yeah and like Final Fantasy has always had a pretty good sense of humor you know yeah uh, and, and I I've, I've liked that aspect of it and I'm curious if this is just um DMC which I love the combat of but DMC also I think was hurt for I think it was in on the joke, but no one knew if it was at the time. And it was like, is this emo kid? Is it like, haha, emo? Or is he like, no, dude, I'm emo. And it, it kind of mit- rubbed people the wrong way. So I'm very curious the tone of the game, but the combat, everything I've heard. I mean, Jeff, I feel like for you, it, it goes full, you know, whether you want to call it anime or WWE or I mean, there's full like suplexes of these gods battling it out in it these huge, <laughs> yeah. gigantic moments. I am very excited for Final Fantasy 16, which is not what I expected to say, you know, this time last year.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it does look like the a bold move forward for the franchise. I mean, the only thing I would push back on with what you were saying in, in, in that, I, obviously Final Fantasy has reinvented itself again and again and again. And, you know, all, new combat systems and, and new settings and new storylines and all that stuff has been a really fun Every time you get a new iteration, a new mainline iteration of Final Fantasy, it's really fun to see what new world you're gonna be in and what how they're gonna reinvent the combat. And so yes, it's not the first time it's been reinvented. I do think though, to push back slightly, you know, if you say JRPG, the first franchise that comes to mind for most people is Final Fantasy. It, and well JRP- they said they've
2: said don't call it don't call us
1: JRPGs. Yeah. Like, that's I know. Their- well that's my point, is that like that? That feels like more of a departure Mm. than previous reinvention. You know, it feels like, hey, we're really just stepping into a new genre, and that's what I was kind of trying to cue up for for Mitchell is is and make it this discussion for all three of us is this sort of blurring of the lines of is it even important to have a a. An idea of a genre i mean you kind of know yeah, what you're so getting you can them. win the game award for the genre that is <laughs> best yeah. racing game yeah. that one because, level uh, of writing the adventure, giant <laughs> action adventure is so different than role-playing game and you know yeah yeah uh, you gotta sort know, them out i don't maybe it's not maybe bec- the way we've we've arrived in video games is that you know systems are borrowed from things and you know st- you know you have a leveling system and you have you know, skill trees and you have, and all of it's sort of indistinct. It's like, is it an action game? Is it an adventure game? Is it a role playing game? Doesn't matter. I guess that's my question.
3: I'll tell you what my least favorite part of every year when we do end of the year considerations is having to define what game is an action game and what game is an action adventure. (laughs) Uh, It drives me crazy. They Um, jump over
2: a large chasm
3: adventure are there no large chasms it's great
2: action
1: <laughs> please designers do not put any adventure in your action
3: game just for clarity's sake no adventuring <laughs> so like i i don't know I, honestly if you asked me what the difference is i i, I would have to spend a bunch of time looking yeah. up a bunch of different definitions i don't i don't know for me it's it's really a feeling um more than anything um i know what an action game feels like and i know what an action adventure game feels like yeah um and yeah i i guess i i don't know what where final fantasy 16 is gonna fall under that i think the, th- the thing that i'm really most uh you know concerned slash interested about when it comes to final fantasy 16 is the fact that one of the big parts of any RPG and I think this is something that everyone loves about RPGs is the amount of side content that that they always mm. have and like the length of these games they're usually like epic adventures spanning you know wait adventures <laughs> <laughs> epic journeys <laughs> spanning <laughs> spanning anywhere from like you know 30 to 100 hours yeah. and uh I I just don't know how they're going to do that with with a a more kind of traditional linear kind of focus um even like Final Fantasy thirteen, which was largely linear for most of the game, did have that moment where it, it branched out into an open world at the very end, and it was kind of like a huge, you know, a world to explore and do do a bunch of different side quests. It kind of saved its side questing for that last part. Um so I'm very curious to see what Final Fantasy sixteen is going to do for that because I do think Final Fantasy fans are going to want that element in in that game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think we're all excited for the game. I can't wait to see more. It's interesting that they're they really are revealing this aspect of it very early, so people are ready for that. I think that's interesting. There's just a tiny part of me, and and you're right to point out, Mitchell. You're right to point out that there the turn based role playing game is still alive and well. You know, Octopath and others. There's lots of examples, especially in the indie space, but yeah, even see mainstream stars,
3: games. Sea of, of Stars looks amazing.
1: Yes, yes. Um, but there's this little pinch, little twang inside me when I hear like, "Well, we want this to be a real mainstream hit, so it can't be term based." I'm like, "Ah,
0: that hurts." That's
2: I also <laughs> feel bad when I see kids on my lawn, so I know what you mean.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Christian.
2: Thank you for no. I'm saying I agree with you. I, I, yeah. we talked about it before the show started recording of my get off my How lawn old moment. We are uh, yes.
1: All right, um, old man. What, what is your story of the week?
2: Well, it ties in nicely with this, and it's more uh, Square Enix stuff. And there's been an executive shuffling that's happened, or is set to happen, I should say, um, this summer, I believe, is what's going to happen. As the current, the hmm, I'm going to muddle this, but I'm going to try to do my best to get it right. The board, the board of directors has decide has proposed that Yusuke Masuda be replaced. By uh, Takishi Kiru and change out the head of the company. And this will be voted, I believe it's in June. So later this summer. But the board has said this is going to happen, which by all accounts means it's happening. Like this is going to happen. And it comes at a time that I think is super interesting for where square enix is as a company especially considering final fantasy 16 is meant to be this huge hit what they've said about past releases that did not live up to expectations um their their own expectations
1: and also big on telling people how their expectations weren't met
2: i don't (laughs) know any company
1: that doesn't share their expectations and they're they're just sad disappointments with everybody more than square enix a
2: western studio they're looking to unload at an undervalued price that then someone else will buy for more than that later uh (laughs) they get flip list it or flip love it or flip it whatever the uh square enix western studio is um And so all of that stuff happening, and that stuff we just joked about, the unloading of a lot of their Western studios and IPs, and also, um, when news started to break about this, Masuda had been pretty vocal about Web3 and NFT and blockchain-style gaming, and we haven't seen any of that yet. And none of that has really materialized from Square Enix in terms of their mainstream games. Ubisoft tried some, and... One of the tom clancy games i think for a hot second and it was like own your own your gun skin and it was like we were kidding um <laughs> that game's actually now shut down uh, <laughs> but we hadn't seen a lot of it from square but every time Masuto's interviewed about it he seemed very high on it still and people thought like oh well that didn't work out they're burning all this money they haven't had to hit the caliber that they need it to be of a hit so they're going to replace him with takashi kiru Except if you look at his pedigree, he's also super web three, like the stuff that he had come from before within Square had been all about, well, not all about, but very much focused on that as well. And so I'm sitting here trying to read the tea leaves as best as possible for someone who isn't a major shareholder you know, in, in Square And at this board meeting wondering, what is the future of this company? There was a time when people were saying, oh, well, they're selling off these other Western assets that just the core company remains. So Sony can acquire, you know, to make them appealing for a company like Sony to acquire this, that, and the other. And so for stuff, uh, Mitchell and Jeff, where I feel like oftentimes I have a handle on things, Activision Blizzard um, Mitchell, this is a time where I am completely unsure of what's happening at square Enix right around the same time as one of their biggest releases is supposed to be uh, coming out on the calendar at the same time. I feel kind of lost here.
3: Yeah, it's wild. I feel like every time I hear about Square Enix in the news, it is usually about some some property being disappointing. <laughs> you, you got you got <laughs> Avengers. You got oh, like Hitman wasn't uh, living up to was yeah. Hitman Square Enix. I don't remember. I uh, know it's it's no, IO
1: Interactive, right? It's uh, not not a square. Well, they no went through Enix, a run right? of things. They're wholly
2: owned now, but yes, they yeah. also had disappointed in the past.
1: Yeah, <laughs> until they, they were their <laughs> own been, company, and now been they're a, a hit. disappointment. To Square, Square <laughs> just tells tells other companies what's disappointing.
0: <laughs> I mean, you
1: should see you should see what they say about this show. Jeff. Oh, it is not so good. disappointing, <laughs> so disappointing to Square Enix. We have been yeah. a major <laughs> disappointment for them. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So yeah, and and, also, and I kind of I almost feel like you you kind of feel that in in you know how how hard they're they're pushing uh, Final Fantasy 16 to to be this this massive hit and you know to to get this new audience. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know. I feel like there there's definitely some some issues going on within Square, and I'm with I'm with you, Christian. I I don't really know exactly what this really solves, and you know what the right answer actually is. Um, but yeah, I believe it
1: was, uh, the who, the who that said, uh, new boss, same as the old boss. That's my take on this story. Yeah. New boss, same as the old boss. I'd
3: sing it, but I don't want you to get content matched. Or like <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I
1: appreciate because your vocal pattern would be perfect. And would be, we would get pinged. Um, uh, yeah, I, that's why I don't even know if this this uh, rises to the level of of story of the week. I think that this uh, it's an interesting turn of events, and I've definitely seen a number of outlets try to spin this as like an indictment of of Web three and and NFTs, which just Until seems look like at, yeah, the new such, guy, <laughs> such an axe to grind. Like the Kotaku article is like it's ridiculous to read it. Honestly, I don't mean to throw aspersions at a call at a at a peer, but you know, but it's, you it's can ridiculous. Where like, Enix thinks of Kotaku i mean <laughs> it's 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 <laughs> ridiculous like to to make this reflect anything on nfts or or web 3 just feels way premature and and a lot of a lot of an axe to grind rather than actual any information here because it does like the, the stock price for square nix has declined year to year for a while they've you know Forspoken just came out and kind of landed with a thud he, he, there's a lot of reasons that a, a a guy could get asked to leave and a new guy brought in that don't have anything to do with that stuff. So it, it just feels like we don't know anywhere near enough to even draw any conclusions from this other than what you guys have said, which is Square Enix wants a hit real bad. Uh, and, and, uh, and we're hope we're all, I think we're all hoping that's final fantasy 16 is that, or maybe, I don't know if they have other stuff coming out before. Probably they do. I haven't looked at their slate, but
2: I think the reason for me it's, it's story of the week worthy is this is a board of directors decision. It's not Masuda saying I, you know, cause in some of the information I pulled at this um, he'd been at the helm since 2013 and took over from Yochi Wada. And over that period their market cap grew by a factor of six. So Masuda had, yeah, recently maybe some, eh, you know, these last couple of years of like not great stories, but, Oversaw the company go through tremendous growth and then kind of maybe maybe stumble more recently or maybe maybe wasn't getting into this Web3 stuff fast enough. You know, I think it's been fascinating to look at some of these older, prestigious Japanese companies and like Konami is kind of back into games again. Like they left games entirely for a long time, not a long time, but a chunk. And now we're getting back into it. Re-releases and testing waters for their IPs again. And I think we'll hear more about that in the months to come and with square with this stuff happening so close to final fantasy 16. I mean, it was like the same, we're doing this big press event for what this next big game is going to be. Also in the summer, we're going to change things up a little bit because we're not happy about something. And I wonder if it is, you know, get a 10 year younger guy, you know, person there at the helm to speed up this change to what the future of video games is going to be. And so for me, it's, it's, Specific to Square Enix, but also looking at what Ubisoft is saying. Ubisoft is like, we're going to make one game, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Like, we need a hit. We're we're releasing a yeah. hit, whatever game it is. It's hit, and uh, the uh, Activision, Microsoft trying to buy their hits because their studios are not making them right now, and Sony doubling down on that AAA. I think we're at a really interesting time in the game space right now, and I think this, you know, maybe five years from now, we can look back at it and see this is like the spark or something for Squ- for what square enix 5.0 ends up becoming
1: yeah it remains to be seen it certainly does uh it, it it certainly is an interesting change but we don't i don't know as you guys have said i don't know what to make of it yet but we shall see uh it's gonna be interesting to see how all that web 3 stuff because i i can't imagine there's any company that hasn't considered it at least you know this it, this we're in this weird place of like you know it, it felt like this inevitability toward the end of last year or you know the midway through last year and then the whole crash of the whole web 3 thing has i think thrown a lot of that in doubt but it may come back you know from the ashes like a zombie and it ha- may play some role in the future of entertainment i don't know i'll have to I still hold my dlc episode number one nft
2: though so i'm i'm holding on to that baby sweet Just
1: but you case. know what Square Enix is very disappointed in you. <laughs>
2: for that.
1: Very disappointed. Um, What's
2: yours, Jeff? What is story of the week worthy to you, well, Mr. Kanata?
1: I feel like the for the folks that uh, that tune in to this show for for the news. Uh, I feel like we should talk about Pokemon Day, but I don't care about Pokemon, <laughs> so I'm not going to have that be my story of the week. Oh, uh, there was a Day. is so upset right now. <laughs> there's, so there's a lot of Pokemon announcements, and if you love Pokemon, you probably already know about it. And if you don't love Pokemon like me, then, uh, you know, you don't really care, uh, but there's a lot of Pokemon stuff happening. Um, <laughs> I took the time to write it all up in the show notes, though, so to listener you will never see our show notes but they're literally uh, literally Uh announced a product called pokemon go plus plus so there you go that's the most interesting thing for me um i want to check back in with the uh microsoft activision blizzard king potential acquisition slash merger uh i know we've talked about this a ton and we're probably going to talk about it a ton more because it's one of the biggest news stories of the year and as we tick closer to June, which is supposedly the original closing date for when this was all going to go down, we've gone back and forth, you know, oh, signs look bad. Signs look good. Well, uh, new information this week. I mean, last week we talked about all of the crazy stuff that Microsoft, the concessions that Microsoft has made sort of ahead of ahead of anybody's decision to be like, hey, look, everybody can have Call of Duty. We don't need Call of Duty. Uh, nintendo 10 years of call of duty you get it everybody got, gets a call
2: of duty we got 10 years so we do we should we should officially thank microsoft for that um you we will should. be able to play call of duty on dlc
1: <laughs> and all we have to do in exchange is buy it um <laughs> but uh so we talked about that last week how you know they're they've they're doing all these concessions to try to make this go through and show people, hey, we don't have them. How could we possibly have a monopoly if we're giving Call of Duty to every? You can have it on GeForce now. It's it. Everybody gets a Call of Duty. Uh, and this week we found out, hey, maybe that's working because the biggest sticking point uh, up to this point, as, as we had been hearing, was that the EU, the European Commission, was really digging their feet in and saying, hey, We might be the problem point. You know, who cares what happens in America and wherever else? The European Union might have said, "Uh -uh, not going to let this happen here. Well, it sounds like that's not the case anymore. Uh, There is a report on Reuters, uh, quoting, quote, sources familiar with the matter. So we don't know unnamed sources, but Reuters, you know, pretty uh, reputable (laughs) news source uh, saying that the European Commission will allow the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft uh, without Microsoft having to sell any assets to win approval. So they're, they're not saying break up uh, break up any part of this, crack off any pieces, and, and they're saying eh, it's, it's probably going to work. Even more interesting than that, I think, is uh, also news this week that as part of this process in the United States, the FTC, has granted Microsoft's motion to look over and make public exclusivity contracts that that PlayStation has signed with with third parties. So Christian is doing the international symbol of I'm eating all of this up uh, because Microsoft is like, oh yeah 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 yeah. Oh, we definitely uh, we definitely want to comply with all your requests. Oh, by the way, can we see all the all the uh, all the agreements that? sony has made with people and the ftc is like yep you sure can please
2: please include pricing and years pricing and length length and pricing we need we definitely need it and also from their ceo please
1: so they asked for stuff all the way back to 2012 so 10 years of of stuff but uh this is not going to happen the ftc has has uh, agreed to let microsoft see back to 2019 it's only what four years which is, of which of is all that. they wanted. That's all they wanted. Like let's
2: uh, everything. It's uh, a friend described it as uh, "let them kill the dog." Um, yeah, right. You know, like, yeah, you can't do that. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. This is the equivalent of uh, your your movie was rated X because you put in a lot of extra gratuitous stuff, and you didn't want that in the movie anyway. But you could cut it out so that the you get that R later. Anyway, so uh, Microsoft is going to show PlayStation some contracts and uh, PlayStation is going to have to show Microsoft some contracts. So we are going to see some of the deals that have been made to get third parties exclusive on these platforms. And Mitchell, I'm wondering if you are as uh, curious about this
3: as the rest of us. I mean, what, what do you make of all this? I'm gonna be honest. Uh, this is uh, this is something that I've always always known has been an ongoing thing, but you know, looking looking at uh, your show notes, it, it is kind of like jumping into episode ten of a season that I've only watched episode one of. <laughs> right. So I, it's it's a lot to you know kind of take in. Uh, it's just it's it's been something that I haven't really been able to devote a lot of uh, energy to, um, especially considering like I. Just had a baby. February was oh. one of the most busiest times of my oh, life.
1: Congratulations!
3: Thank you. Um, but yeah, like it's, I can't believe it's you're super... here right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. My baby's crying in the other room. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you know what? It'll figure it out. You can just yeah, let yeah, it cry. Yeah. That's my um, as, as a father myself. Just let it cry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it is super interesting to to you know learn about. Like I I didn't know that they they were getting uh, Sony to to hand over their their contracts which i have to imagine is going to be like super interesting to to look at to see how those exclusivity deals are actually made you know made there, we're, we're
1: gonna we're gonna be able to see why we can't get some stuff on game pass isn't that interesting yeah. everybody we wanted to put all these things on game pass we can't why oh because sony said so sony said so uh and we'll see why uh we can't even release some stuff on xbox systems we can't have a monopoly, ladies and gentlemen, if literally there are agreements that don't let us do what we want. That's not how monopolies work. Uh, Christian, we have said a number of times that we think as a as a show that you and I uh, think this is going to happen, even though there's been roadblocks. It sounds like some of these roadblocks are are evaporating before our eyes, European Commission thumbs up it sounds like according to sources familiar with the matter so this does feel like an inevitability but it's looking like we're going to get some fireworks along the way or i should say more fireworks
2: yeah, I um, I am curious how much will be made public, but I don't think that's where the fireworks will be necessarily. I do think some of these documents, as they release to the public, I could see Sony uh, you know, arguing for redactions to be made and redactions being made, those concessions being made as they go public. But that won't stop the people who need to know this information, who really want to know it, i.e. Microsoft, from knowing it. And I'm super curious – how much the third parties know about the other third party contracts cuz to me and this is changing in the workplace but the analogy to me is kind of like you can work at a company and it's like oh jeff you've been here 10 years my review's coming up how much do you make i can't yeah. tell you that
1: yeah there's a big push for uh, salary transparency. transparency yeah
2: yeah and so i'm curious in these deals you know you can re- you can read about like in professional sports where famously yeah. now scottie Pippen uh did not get what he should have been paid <laughs> for a long time uh in the bulls organization you can see all that and i'm curious how much like some other third party is going to be like square enix is about to be disappointed jeff that's what i'm trying to say
1: that, <laughs> square enix is gonna be like wait wait what how much yeah. did how much but what we could have gotten how much for an exclusive tomb raider what yeah yeah yeah
2: and I, I think that's where this stuff it, – again, it's going back to the idea of the industry is small. A lot of these people are genuinely friends, but they are also competitors and rivals. And you have these moments in this merger, and I think this is going to be another one of, uh, don't just leave us with Battlefield. <laughs> Battlefield so bad. Yeah. No one wants – yes, I know we have a – marketing agreement with you ea and we will continue to but come on no <laughs> come one on. likes it battlefield 24 right now on battle pa- game pass but like oh uh, <laughs> yeah i think like we're gonna see more of that and i think that is fascinating and generally transparency i think is good for uh, business but it's not good for competition or maybe it's the other way around you know what i mean oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's not gonna work
1: it's yeah not gonna work well I think it's more clear than ever that this is all gonna happen, and Microsoft's gonna own Activision Blizzard uh by this time next year, uh, probably a lot sooner than that, probably by the end of this year uh so uh I think that's fascinating we've we've heard all of this all of this Sturman drawing around it, all of this this activity and and lawyers making lots of money, but I think at the end of the day it's probably gonna happen, but there may be some interesting uh interesting revelations, uh, as we've already seen, as we've already seen, you know, interesting revelations and not for nothing. I, you know, I don't think you, you would have had call of duty for 10 years on Nintendo or on GeForce now without that pressure on Microsoft to do it. I don't think they would have just voluntarily signed those agreements. I think that is, those are results of this forcing this to happen. And I, I think that's interesting. So
2: And Mitchell, don't worry. The first 10 seasons of this weren't any good. This is the
1: good season. You really got to skip it. Although, you know, you should watch the first four seasons. I'll
3: I'll watch watch a four-hour YouTube uh, recap, just like I did for (laughs) Destiny. There you go. (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right. Well, speaking of Destiny, we we got a lot of Destiny to talk about. So let's get to the games that we have been playing this week. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. Squarespace. Oh, Squarespace has been sponsoring DLC since we started. I'm so grateful for that. And I've been recommending Squarespace for well over a decade to anybody that wants to make a website. It's just the easiest way to do it. Jeff was made with Squarespace a long, long time ago, and it still looks awesome. Uh, and now Squarespace has become, in addition to just a great place to build a website, an all-in-one platform to build your brand to grow your business. Any online business, man, Squarespace is the place. You can stand out with a beautiful website and as you has always been able to do with Squarespace. Uh, but now there's all these new tools to engage with your audience, to sell things, your products, the content you create, and even your time, because Squarespace now has member areas, making it easy for creators to monetize their content and their expertise in a way that fits their brand Because these member areas allow you to unlock new revenue streams for your business and free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or newsletters. And you can even build the videos in the Squarespace Video Studio app. So it's all everything you need in one place. The app helps you make and share engaging videos that can tell your story and grow your audience and drive sales. And online stores on Squarespace are so simple. It's just a few clicks to turn any website into an online store, and you can sell physical or digital products. It's so easy because Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online immediately. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. You don't have to worry about anything. You never have to update or install anything. Squarespace is optimized for any device that you might visit the website on. Plus, they've got analytics to help you grow your business, give you insights in what's working and what's not, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, analyze which channels are most effective. It's so great! So check it out. Go to squarespace.com/slash jeff sent me. You'll get a free trial. Free. Uh, I mean, that is really free, though. You don't even have to put in a credit card. It's not going to automatically charge you after thirty days or anything like that. It is free, the real kind of free. And you can build your whole website. You can see how the tools work right there without ever being worried worried about them charging you. But when you are ready to launch your website, use our offer code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Great place to buy domains, Squarespace as well. I bought all my domains from Squarespace. It's so easy. The great, great front end they have there. So again, squarespace.com slash JeffSentMe gets you your free trial and 10% off by using the promo code JeffSentMe, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. We thank Squarespace for supporting the show for so long. We have all been playing Destiny 2 Lightfall, but I, I don't even want to start there. I want to start with the other huge release of the week because I read Mitchell Saltzman's review of Wo Long, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. Uh and I th- I was fast. I thought it was a great review on IGN.com. Uh Mitchell uh and you clearly liked the game a lot.
3: Yeah. Tell me Yeah, about it. uh Wo Long, you know, just for like a little bit of background, I am a huge, huge fan of Team Ninja. Ninja Guy in Black is one of my favorite games of all time, um, and I'm also a big fan of what they've done in the the Souls like space. Neo is fantastic. I think Neo is the best, or Neo Two specifically is the best non from software developed Souls like. Um, and Wo Long is very much in the same vein as it in that you know it's it's a game that is brutally difficult. Uh there is a ton of loot. It's it's very geared towards those who who like uh you know customizing their their build, especially for new game plus and everything that comes after it. Um and you know one of the things that I talk about in, in my review is that you know it succeeds and falters in very similar ways compared to uh Neo. And why, when I say that I mean the loot is just kind of overwhelming. You know, you, you get just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces of gear over the course of, of like, you know, maybe th- three to four hours of playing. Uh, it just drops like, it it's almost like a loot pinata every time you kill a, kill a boss. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a, a pain in the ass to, to not only sort through, but it also makes it so that it kind of cheapens the, the great gear that you can get because you get it, you get stuff so often. Mm. Um and it, it you know contrasts to something like destiny when you get an exotic in destiny like that's that's an exciting moment um when you get a four star like the highest you can get in in Wolong when you're when you're playing through the game for the first time it's like a four star rare weapon and the only difference it, it, that there is between it and a three star weapon is like one modification like one mm-hmm. perk slot um so yeah like Outside of that, though, if we put all that aside, man, that game is so good. The combat is just phenomenal. Um, if you are a fan of, you know, Sekiro's style of of being very fast and kind of parry focused and reading your opponent and reacting correctly to what they're doing and being rewarded for it, oh man, there's there's very few combat systems that have that level of satisfaction. As well, long because you know you got you got these enemies that do these crazy five hit combos, and you're you're just like deflecting it left and right, deflecting every hit, and it just it feels so good, man. <laughs> they they are masters of game feel. I feel like those uh, those guys at Team Ninja, yeah. guys and girls at Team Ninja, and
1: have been for decades. It seems, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, so the the loot stuff, you you just. You're just getting tons of junk that, that's just not even an upgrade to you. Or are you are you constantly just getting new upgrades that so frequently that it doesn't feel special.
3: Most of it is most of it is junk. Uh, yeah, loot, these games they treat currency almost. They sorry they treat loot almost like a currency. So yeah. you can take all those those uh, junk weapons and junk armor that you get. You can break them down into parts or like, you know, get, uh, you know, rank one steel and rank whatever leather. And then you can use those to basically upgrade the the weapons that you currently have. So you can like, you know, if you really like the weapon that you're using, you can just break down all of your weapons that you're not using and just put them all into upgrading this, this one thing that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem with that is just that it makes it so that I'm constantly having to make these decisions of like is this worth breaking down or is this something that I actually want to to use and it, it just it takes too much time playing the the menu game of wolong when yeah. I want to be playing the the you know the actual game that I love to play which yeah. is the melee combat game of wolong
1: right yeah it's tedious to to constantly be managing all the <laughs> the 50 new things that you pick up off the ground
3: yeah yeah I get that Uh, And then the other thing I talk about, like the, the other only big issue, I think is the enemy variety. And this is also something that, that was a bit of a problem in Neo too. You, you fight these like really big, impressive, almost mini boss battles early on in the game. Like there's this uh, one tiger enemy that's just relentless and it feels so good when you actually beat it. And then you fight it again a couple like maybe five minutes later in the same same level and then you fight again in the third level and then you just keep on fighting it all throughout the game and it just doesn't there's not enough variety in terms of like the enemy archetypes where it can be like okay well now you fight this big enemy now you fight this big enemy it's just always that damn cat <laughs> <laughs> or it's that damn like bird thing that shoots uh lightning or tornadoes at you um, it just, it really could have used, even like if it did the JRPG thing of taking the same enemy model, but like painting it a different color mm. and having it have like maybe two new moves. Yeah. It would have been, it would have gone so far to, to making that game less repetitive over the course of, over the course of its uh, runtime. Cause it's a pretty long game. It's like, you know, 25, 30 hours, maybe even 40 hours depending on like how much it kicks your 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 butt.
1: Um how, how much time you spend in menus with loot. <laughs>
3: yeah, or that.
1: <laughs> uh Christian, you uh you love Sekiro? Sekiro? You love it? Uh this game's on Game Pass.
3: It uh, feels like
1: a no-brainer for Christian Spicer. I, I I don't see it on your playlist. Do you
2: see my uh Thrustmaster wait, racing wheel? Yeah, we Jack? will get
1: to it. We will get to it.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, we'll to I, it. I have a uh, I, too, had a child this week, And this child. <laughs> yes, it, it very much does seem like a game for me. What I'm curious, Mitchell, and um, I think folks have, I don't want to say talked around it, but I guess the elephant in the room is still, this is the next Souls, however, I, I hate calling them genres like we talked about already, like Metroidvania, Souls-like, souls whatever game. But this is the next one after Elden Ring, and I feel like Elden Ring is still sucking all the air out of the room. Like it still is the thing, and people are still finding new moments within that game. And they've announced that they're working DLC. On that. They, yeah, yeah the, their big expansion for it. And so that Jeff also is another reason why I, I haven't dove in on this yet. Because I, I still, I've talked about it on the show. I have not finished Elden Ring, and I probably never will but I still really like it and I still go back and play it and dip into where I am and have a good time in that world. And I don't know if I'm ready for something else yet. And I'm curious how many other gamers um, feel that same way.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very different style of souls like compared to Elden ring. It's almost like, you know, Doom is a very different first person shooter than, you know, Call of Duty. They, they, they try to accomplish very, very different things. Um, Wolong is much more, it's structured in levels. Um, it's much more about getting from point A to point B. You know, there's obviously a lot of, the, the levels themselves are fairly wide. There's a lot of opportunities to go off the beaten path and find secrets and all, all that kind of stuff but it is largely a, a pretty linear experience um so i i it's hard for me to even compare it to elden ring even though they are kind of within the same genre um so yeah i i wouldn't say if you're you know still playing elden ring i, I think there's still room to enjoy some some wolong <laughs> no excuse christian no
2: excuse well, I just heard Mitchell say that Wolong is going to be an action-adventure game
0: uh,
3: at the end of the year. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I'm not looking forward to the, the end-of-the-year discussion to see where L- Wolong goes. Are there chasms
2: or no chasms? What are we looking <laughs> we at?
3: Um, it's I also, graphically... Hook. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> I also see on your playlist a, a game that uh, my friend and friend of the show, Anthony Carboni, won't stop talking about. Uh, literally, he keeps telling me about pizza tower he's like pizza tower pizza you gotta play pizza tower uh finally somebody made a wario land game a wario <laughs> land like you gotta play pizza tower and uh, i checked out pizza tower on on steam and it does look bonkers so you, you've been playing pizza tower
3: yeah it, it's funny I've, I've put like maybe three hours into pizza tower and i've i have it has been a journey let me tell you it's uh <laughs> I, I did not like that game when i first started it um and I think the reason is because it it makes controlling your character very very difficult. You can't for example, let's say you're you're running forward, you're holding down forward and you jump. All of gaming throughout all of history would tell you that you would carry the momentum of holding forward and you would jump forward. But in Pizza Tower, you just jump straight up, even though you're <laughs> holding forward, and you gotta let go of the D-pad, and you gotta hold forward to you know move yourself to to go to go right. Um, so it, it's it's a very hard game to control, but I feel like it's almost like an intentional design yeah. decision.
1: Yeah, like that's the game, right? The game is is figuring that out, right?
3: Yeah, it, it, because if once you figure it out, the skill ceiling on that game is just it goes, it just keeps going up, right? It's unbelievable. It's it's,
1: it's made for speedrunners, right? It is, it really is.
3: And so I say, I played like three hours of that game. I've only played the first level because (laughs) I'm having so much fun trying to, you know, improve my score and like, you know, make it feel like I've mastered this, this level. And it feels so good once you actually get to that point. I am hoping to review it eventually for IGN. So eventually I am going to have to get past that first level. (laughs) <laughs> but uh man it, there's nothing like it. I know it is inspired by Wario Land, but I ha- I really haven't played anything li- quite like that game.
1: Well, just to just to catch up any any listeners who haven't heard of this game. Uh Pizza Tower is the story of Peppino Spaghetti, <laughs> a surprisingly agile and powerful fat balding Italian, according to the Steam page. Uh so it's this wacky 2D side-scrolling like adventure uh, adventure <laughs> that's the word of the day uh side scrolling you know platformer uh and yeah it, it, as Mitchell described the, the the movement is is intense and fast and wacky and is made for speed runners it's got this art style that kind of reminds me of Ren and Stimpy or like old Nickelodeon like 90s Nickelodeon to me,
3: to me it, it brings to mind Courage of the Cowardly Dog if anyone is familiar with with that old 90s show it's like yeah bulging eyes the huge heads that expand right. And Tongues you, going
1: everywhere. Evidently, <laughs> Anthony was telling me that also you, um, you, so you can be squished by a bad mm-hmm. guy, which will yeah. f- flatten you in like cartoony style. Like, you know, you're, something heavy hits you and you get flattened. Uh, but then you don't die as flattened. You actually float kind of like a piece of paper would, you know, like in a right. total ridiculous, you know, Wile E. Coyote cartoon style. Uh, and sometimes that's a strategy in how to get, past things is i need to get flattened so
3: that i can float like a piece of paper to get back it just sounds
1: like a zany game um so i think
3: that that is where like the wario land dna really shows because wario land was a game where you know you couldn't really die right you just have enemies that would inflict almost status effects on you that would then change the way you approach the level so uh, it, it very much works the same way from what I've seen so far in Pizza Tower where, like, you know, you, you run and you get lit on fire and then all of a sudden you run really fast in the other direction. Um, yeah. That might actually be a Wario Land thing. I might be confusing them. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's along those lines.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, and, and Christian, another fascinating little tidbit about Pizza Tower is that you can buy it on Steam right now for nineteen ninety nine. It was it originally came out at five bucks. And this might be an early access to full release kind of thing. But my understanding was that like the game just got popular and they're like, well, let's raise the price. <laughs> pretty smart. Hey, pretty supply smart. and so demand. Yeah, supply <laughs> and demand. So uh, anyway, it's, it's, um, it's called Pizza Tower and it, uh, it, it's, it looks pretty wacky. I have not actually played this, but it just, it's getting a lot of buzz right now. I'm glad Mitchell is uh, relating I mean, his I, experience I, with it i
2: feel like it's you know until friend of the show over at dj2 or somebody announces the the netflix show of it like it seems ripe for it's like kids watch it but parents watch it with them because it totally reminds them of 90s nicktoons like it's it screams animated tv show if they're not already making one that then feeds back into what this and i think a lot of kids books also are you know very much older now but uh don't push the button, the book with no pictures. Like it goes against type in very mm. intentional ways. And I think it's from what I've seen of the video, pizza tower is also doing that. Like it's here's this trope and here's how we're changing it just a little bit to make it more fun to go against expectations. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Really great soundtrack too. Like Oh, cool. The, yeah.
1: I hadn't heard that. That's, that's good to know. The
3: music that goes along with the absolute, you know, wackiness of the animations is just it fits to a T. Really, awesome. really good. All right, well, let's talk about uh, Destiny
1: 2 Lightfall because all three of us have been playing that. And uh, I think we all have varying degrees of uh, Destiny-ness. I am a as lapsed Destiny player as could possibly be. <laughs> in fact, I looked on Steam and my last login to Destiny was in 2020. Before lightfall, so I mean, I didn't play like Witch pre-pandemic Queen.
2: pre-pandemic twenty twenty. Also, you were like, the world's looking good, everything's gonna be great. Let's
1: play some <laughs> Destiny. <Yeah. laughs> Nothing can stop us now. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, I uh, I think I honestly just logged on in twenty twenty because I got a new monitor. I got that super ultra monitor, and I was like, oh, this game's yeah. gonna look gorgeous in that, and played it for five minutes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't play Witch Queen. I, I haven't played in a long time, so i I I will let you guys talk first because i know christian you've played a lot of destiny i sense mitchell
3: that you have played a ton of destiny is that right uh i've put in about like 350 hours which sounds like a lot but compared to people who really really are into destiny i'm like a you know uh, i'm a very very small fish filthy casual over here yeah i'm a filthy casual to compare to a lot of my friends (laughs) well tell us what
1: uh what your take on the new expansion is um how you've jumped in how far you've gotten what you've done let
3: us know so I I just recently like pretty much on Friday I beat the legendary campaign for Lightfall. Nice. Um, I <laughs> I made a tweet that said I am I'm ra- raid ready guys I'm ready for the raid and I got a bunch of, a couple of people being like uh actually you're a couple uh, power levels behind because you're including the artifact <laughs> <laughs> so I am apparently not as raid ready as I thought I was um, but yeah you know I, I've seen a lot of. Uh, negativity towards lightfall and i get a lot of it um the story is is following up uh witch queen which left the the series off at like a really really high point in terms of story and then at the beginning of lightfall it basically it's like hey you guys do your thing over here we're going to go all the way over here to do something completely different and you you never really go back to that you know that cliffhanger ending that Witch Queen left off on, um, so it is kind of disappointing in that a lot of the stakes that were set at the end of Witch Queen aren't really addressed. There's a there's a big MacGuffin that you're chasing throughout the entire journey that never gets explained what ex- what exactly it is. Um, so I I understand the complaints at the same time, having not really played Destiny since the like the end of of Witch Queen and like you know coming back to it man, it's just a reminder of how good destiny feels like destiny is one of the best feeling, uh, first person shooters in the game. And even though I'm getting my ass kicked or butt kicked, sorry, I'm trying to keep, uh, that's fine. Totally fine. Uh, even though I'm getting my butt, butt kicked in the legendary campaign, I'm really having a blast, uh, doing it. Um, so yeah, like I'm having a good time. It's definitely not as good as witch queen, but I'm having a good time with it.
1: Yeah. I, you know, my perspective as somebody who, Played a fair amount of Destiny, many many years. You know, right when Destiny two came out, uh and and just hasn't really been keeping up with it. I, I play vicariously through my friends sometimes, who who would tell me about how cool the game has gotten. But I didn't. Did you just call me a friend again? Yes. Not you. Not oh. you. No. Oh, my, 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 okay. Vicariously yeah, through sorry. my friends, Christian. Oh yeah. Uh, so
2: I, I my fault. That was my bad. Yeah. I feel <laughs> stupid.
1: <laughs> no. The I uh, I totally want to just underscore what you said about how my biggest takeaway was i am reminded how good the game feels like that's the word it feels so good to play destiny it's it's like oh yeah this game is great the the feel of the weapons is so good the just the being there the the shooting the 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 running around like man bungie knows how to make something that feels right and i was also struck and this is going to be old news to people (laughs) because I'm so late to the party here, but I was struck by how good the game has gotten in the intervening years that I haven't played it. I feel like the game is now and probably has been for a while, but it's new to me. It is the thing they always said it would be like, it has become the thing that it wasn't when it launched, which is a true first person shooter. MMO, like, as somebody who's loves MMOs and has played a ton of MMOs that was my biggest complaint both times first destiny and destiny 2 was that neither of them actually felt like a, an MMO when they launched and it's awesome to see that yeah you know if you iterated a game for 5 years or 10 years if you count the first one uh they actually become the really good and it's awesome like the i mean i had to do the entire uh like onboarding quest line because i didn't have a character that was applicable uh and it's really good it's really the way that brings you in and introduces the systems and it has like the journey and the pathways again i'm not saying anything that anybody that's played destiny in the last several years doesn't already know but it if there are folks out there like me that haven't played it in a long time, and maybe it's sitting on your hard drive or sitting in your Steam library uninstalled, I was re- I'm was. i like, man, do I love this? Do I want to be a Destiny 2 player again? Like this, it, it really, um, it was really fun. I'm excited to kind of find some folks that I can play with that aren't super, or maybe that can, you know, sherpa me through it uh, and get me up into doing raids and stuff because I'm excited to see all all of the content that I never saw or at least the kinds of content that I never saw because I fell away from the game. Um but Christian, I know you've played a lot more than I have. What's your take on Lightfall?
2: Yeah, I um so I should say we both got codes uh yes. for, for Lightfall. Um I've used this analogy. I don't know if I, I forget if I use it on this show. I know I used it on decoding TV with Dave chance. We talk about last of us episodes. There is a, a time when Aaron judge hits the home run record, the American league home run record. And then there's the next season where he still hits 59 home runs. And it's like, mm, not that good of a season there, Aaron judge. And it's like, that's the fifth best of all time. <laughs> yeah. But last season was the best of all time. And so which queen, was one of the best first-person shooter campaigns. Even just camp, I dabbled, I dipped my toe into seasons and I dipped my toe into end, you know, first round end game stuff after the campaign of Witch Queen ended. And kind of fell on off of that. But Witch Queen itself, as a standalone experience, was one of the best first-person shooter campaigns of recent memory, in my opinion. Lightfall is not... And so it's hard for me to be like, it's not great. Cause I think it is great, but you know, I just ate, the, to do the different analogy, I just ate in a delicious meal. And then we would go back to the same restaurant. And it's like, oh, now you should try this. And it wasn't, I should have, why did I not order that thing I had last time? That last thing was so good. And so Lightfall for me, it opens super strong. The opening mission to Lightfall, I think, is up there with some of the best that Destiny's ever done. I was texting people which funny story for our Wednesday listeners. Uh, I, I texted the wrong friend um, about again. This, by the way. Yep. A different wrong friend, but uh, let me pull fun. it up. So I can, I can find this really quickly. I wrote, ah, expletive. The first lightfall mission is so good. Congrats on the launch. Oops. <laughs> wrong person, but destiny's good. Play it. <laughs> if you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. Um, but it is, it's such that opening level is so good. You're in this ship and you're exploring, you get into <laughs> So, this is a Wendy's. Sorry. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: And like this old engine, you know, that, that like ran on PS3 in some form or fashion, right? Still looks beautiful now uh, and runs great. And the, that opening level is doing all those awesome things. And it's like the, this whole side of the ship. I forget if it gets blown out or you go up, but then you're outside the ship. Yeah, it's a cool
1: moment. Really first cool. First
2: person platforming, which Bungie does really well. And you, see other ships are, you're in space and ships are flying below you and you're shooting people from across the way as you're jumping and you're doing all this stuff. And they have one of the best looking big bads that they've had And which Fr- Witch Queen is cool. But uh, the witness, the witness looks awesome. Just smoky this face awesome, hair.
1: Yeah.
2: Just so cool and so terrifying as they're like, Shredding ghosts with just like you know, marionette style hand motions, and just doing all this stuff. And oh my goodness, it's awesome! I was I was so in in that moment. And then I land on Neptune, and I meet the cloud striders, and I just can't with Nimbus and the quips and the well, I don't know how you say this in your language. But let's go F it up, brah. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, I made that up. That's not what Nimbus says, but more or less. Sounds like something he would have said. uh, (laughs) Yeah, like, (laughs) you know what they say. Let's go kill him. What? I don't know. (laughs) I've dedicated my life to be in service. And also, hang 10, (laughs) brah. Like, I just, I I don't, I don't get it. I, I find that character genuinely grating. Also, I don't know if it's character design. I think it's supposed to be like an armor belt. But it, I'm going to use the anatomically correct term, dear listener, for male genitalia. It looks like he just has a very large penis at all times. When you're talking to him, I think is interesting as well. And the world itself of of Neptune in the trailer it looks so cool. And there, I have not finished the the campaign yet because again I have a racing wheel here behind me. Um, But there are levels in the campaign that I think are exquisite and you're jumping around and you're doing all this cool stuff and you get the strand or you're, you're using it, I think, in really effective, evocative ways. And I feel like to some extent, Bungie was like, oh, we used to make Halo. Oh, Halo made a grapple. Check out our grapple. And Bungie's grapple is awesome. It's really fun. And you're zipping around and then doing all this stuff. But a lot of the world of um, the city on Neptune is not, the city in the trailer or the city and some of the, the scripted single player things. It feels flat. I understand why the, the, all the, the interior buildings are huge because I have to be able to ride my banshee or, or um, what is it called? Not my sparrow. Banshee. Sparrow. Thank you. i be able to ride my sparrow around. So it's like the geometry seems kind of plain and this, that. So like the stuff that in Witch queen I, I loved doing and kind of exploring the nooks and crannies for the chess. And then, finding all these areas and and doing the required grind within the campaign, which I think the game does very well and has done for a while, unlike Marvel's The Avengers, where it's like, you want this story point? Cool. We're not going to show you all the grind stuff that the end game is. And you're like, I don't want that. (laughs) Please no more (laughs) of that. I think Bungie has consistently done a good job of like, hey, next story mission, we need you to be, I don't know, 1680. You're 1676 right now. So you're really close you know, go do this other stuff to learn these other things. Um, That part of it, I just don't find engaging and I don't, it's a strand, right? That's the new yeah. power. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't so far having not finished it. I'm not in game yet or first round in game. I, I haven't enjoyed how that is presented and used. It, it feels odd from a gameplay perspective, and I think also from a narrative perspective. And maybe they put a bow on it. I don't know, Mitchell. Maybe they do. But it's like seems like there's a power here. Hell yeah, bro. hang. <laughs> um so again, Witch Queen, I think was the home American League home run record, and Lightfall started off on that. And I was like, oh, Aaron Judge is on a tear, doing it again. And then I feel like it's been stumbling as it goes. I love the tormentors. I don't like fighting them, but I like that it's this new kind of mid boss character that's been introduced to the game. I think they're creepy and they're cool. I like that. They're always a threat. I like that evolution for a battle in destiny versus just making it bigger and a a, a bullet sponge. I like the they had tried to keep them at range and how you balance that combat. Um, But it is not witch queen for me so far, unfortunately.
3: Yeah. I, I, I will say the, the strand power. It, it should not have been a focus of the story. Um, a lot of a lot of the story in Lightfall is about getting the Strand power, and you know you kind of get it piecemeal, like you know you get one new aspect of it in one mission, and then you know the next mission you get another aspect of it, um, and by the end you have the full set of tools, and it really doesn't come to life until you have that full set of tools. Um, but man, I I'm having a blast swinging around like Spider Man. Uh, they they do a thing where. They have like little grapple points and you don't need a grapple point in order to use the, the grappling hook. But if you hit a grapple point, you're instantly re- refilled on the cooldown for it. So you can kind of like, you know, do this Spider-Man swing thing where you're just going from grapple point to grapple point and then you pull yourself to an enemy and you do this cool melee attack that blows everyone up. Um, it's it's just a really, really cool power that I'm I'm very glad that Destiny added
1: i'm excited to get it i haven't gotten that far as i said i had to do the whole like onboarding thing but uh, i feel like i'm back in I, I i love this game it's it's so much fun i'm having a blast doing it and uh if you play with me christian i, I would play with you but i feel like you're bouncing Do you off want
2: me it. to read that text i sent that text to the right person jeff what that text i sent to the right person hey still ready to play oh sorry I lied to you before, and I'm not going to play Destiny with you. Well,
1: I couldn't play play with you because I had to do the whole, like, onboarding thing. Mm -hmm. And also... You mean uh, hang
2: out with your real friends? Yes, yes, that's what I am That's what I Okay, yeah, sorry,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I want to tell you about uh, a game on my playlist um, that I have fallen in love with. Uh, This is an indie game. I have to thank uh, Darren Thornley from the UK who sent me an email... To feedback at gmail.com and said, Jeff, you got to play this. You're going to love it. It's great. Because I'd seen it come up on Steam and it did not look interesting to me. I I was I recognized it, saw it, looked at it. Screenshots looked bland. Idea sounded lazy. Didn't think I was going to like it. The game is called Aces and Adventures. And it very much is up my alley. It is a card-based, uh turn-based, you know, card deck. A deck building action game, um, and the idea behind Aces and Adventures is that uh, you are building poker hands to do all the combat. So it is a you know it is a uh, all card based uh, game. You 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 do adventure decks which tell you a story as you go. The stories are uh, actually beautifully written. In fact, maybe a little overwritten. They're very poetic and and lyrical. Uh, almost to the point of not make meaning anything. They're just kind of overwritten, to my in my opinion. But beautifully voice-acted, absolutely beautifully voice-acted, which makes up for a lot, because you're like, oh, this lovely voice is telling me this, this kind of fun story. And each card in the adventure deck takes you to a new place and uh, brings you into these encounters. Uh, inevitably, you'll be fighting a bunch of monsters. Uh, and the way you fight the monsters is that you have two decks. One is your character deck, so there's a bunch of different character classes in the game that are unlockable. Uh, typical, you would expect warrior, rogue, mage, enchantress, which happens to be my favorite. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, there, all of them kind of play differently. They have their own deck of abilities. And then you have a regular 52-card deck of playing cards that have hearts and diamonds and clubs and spades. Uh, and, all, you know, the regular deck of cards. And you you get a hand of those cards And you build poker hands. So a pair or three of a kind or full house or straights or flushes. Uh, And those are your attacks against the enemy. And the enemy has to defend those attacks with equivalent poker hands. Now, that's the key because you can't defend a pair with three of a kind, even though in poker that would be a better hand. Although there are some characters that allow you to do that. But for the most part, you have to defend an attack with the same number of cards so if you have a five card poker hand like a straight or a full house you can defend it with another five card poker hand but if you're only attacking with a pair you have to defend with a pair which introduces some really interesting decisions to make because if i have to defend against a pair of cards and i have a three of a kind in my hand which is going to be a really killer a- a- attack do I break up that three of a kind to defend the pair with my pair? Or do I try to do some other thing to preserve my three of a kind? Interesting. Interesting. So I was looking at this game and going, ah, oh, poker hands, that's kind of lazy and kind of, I'm not, not as interesting as building your own, you know, your own combat system. But man, do they start really layering on some interesting mechanics, including the fact that your ability deck which varies from class to class, are different things that you can trigger at different times. You can do reactions to a, to a, attacks against you, or you can try to power up your own attacks. And those abilities have to be powered by certain cards from your playing card deck. So for example, if I want to do something like a healing potion, it will take two hearts. So if I've got two hearts in my hand, I can activate my healing potion. But maybe those hearts are part of a better hand that i want to preserve for an attack so i have to you know figure that out and then you get to other cool abilities that let you alter your cards like shift them up or down one one value so if you have a 10 you can shift it up to a jack or down to a nine so you can create better hands of cards that you didn't just have there's no like Drawing card, I mean, there is, but there's not like how poker uses it, where it's like, well, I'm going to keep these three and draw two. That's not how the game is played, but there are tons of ways to manipulate your deck, manipulate your hand to create even better poker hands and thus better attacks. This game has been so much fun, so cool. It starts out very easy. I think, but it has rapidly gotten much more challenging, much more interesting. The there's a bunch of adventure decks and it kind of works like a roguelite where you're going through an adventure at the end of it. You get evaluated for all these cool, you get mana, but the mana is awarded based on the things you did during your run. Like if you had a, you got a full house, then you get a bunch of mana for getting a full house. If you got a straight, if you got this, 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 if you, if you went down to only one hit point and still survived, you get a bunch of mana. And then that mana unlocks new cards. You build new decks with those cards. Very roguelite, like your, you know, every run gets you new stuff that makes your next runs more powerful. And the new adventure decks that keep getting introduced, getting unlocked when you complete the previous are more interesting, more difficult, have a whole bunch of new bad guys that have new abilities to do cool things. It is a very good indie game. I am hooked on it. It plays great on Steam Deck, although the text is a little tiny. Aces and Adventures. If this is if you like card-based games like Marvel Snap, Hearthstone, if you like turn-based strategy games, highly highly recommend Aces and Adventures.
3: Damn, I'm sold. Uh is there any competitive competitive element to it like is there online play against other no, people there's No there's
1: no multiplayer at all um as as of now so I don't know if they there's a roadmap to add that or not but uh, yeah it's purely single player roguelite like adventures there but there's tons of adventures to do and you know you have so many different uh uh classes uh, that you can select and each of them you can sort of um upgrade you have this cool little like bonsai tree that you can unlock, it'll like grow new cards on it, and you can uh, use energy to do that. But it's specific to each class, so there's a lot of lot of stuff to do if you want to, you know, have build out each class and get more and more powerful decks. I've been really loving the Enchantress as as my sort of main class, but I I want to go back and try. I mean, I played all the classes, but I want to go back and like invest time in upgrading other class decks too. It's so much fun. It's really, really addictive. Uh, I've been having a great time with it.
2: And for folks who aren't watching the video version, pull up a trailer um, because it's it's very nice art too. It's not like sometimes some of these games. It's like oh, the mechanics are really great, and then you know, but like like the the decks look like they're nicely designed, (laughs) and it's
1: yeah, it looks nice. But I look. I honestly, I looked at screenshots of this when it came. It it was released on Steam. And I always look at the new indie games that come up on Steam because I'm, I love indie games. And I looked at this and I went, ah, oh, this doesn't look good. I didn't think it looked, I didn't think the screenshots made it look good. I didn't think the description made it look good. And honestly, if it hadn't been for Darren, thank you, Darren, again, uh, emailing me and said, saying, hey, this game's special. I wouldn't have, you know, checked it out. And and I'm really glad I did. So let let me be your Darren listeners. If you're into these you, games. It's, it's have really Have you read good. that
2: other email from your wife that says the bathroom's dirty? Did you read that one yet, Jeff?
1: Um No. <laughs> no is that no
2: hey jeff uh long time first time anyway the laundry needs to be done um put down your steam deck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> who is this
2: what? i would not have known that i didn't have any clean underwear but for <laughs> <laughs> but for the
1: the uh it's very scathing email i got from a, <laughs> a one uh m can, mrs canada <laughs> i don't i don't recognize that so uh i thick. do want I do want to uh, read an email that we got uh, about a different game, a game Christian and I both really dismissed last week. Uh, the game Atomic Heart. I actually got we got a, a fair amount of feedback from folks saying, "Hey, can I say something? Can I say something real quick? I, this will probably pile. I don't know what you're going to say." Coming from Atomic
2: Heart, which I did not like the way it played, made Destiny feel all that much better. Now tell me why I'm an idiot. Okay.
1: Well, we got a, we got a <laughs> bunch of people pushing back on our opinion of Atomic Heart. Neither neither of us liked it. Uh, But we also didn't play a ton of it because we bounced off of it pretty quickly. Uh, So we got a number of people pushing back and uh, saying they liked it. The best of which was an email from Daniel uh, who says, uh, I wanted to voice a different opinion on Atomic Heart, as I think for some people, this one could be a cult favorite of the year. He says, uh, four points. Number one, I think this is one of the most ambitious games in the first-person shooter open-world genre in a while, trying to combine elements of Far Cry 2, Portal, Bioshock, and Fallout 3 into one. It doesn't hit it out of the park and has a lot of rough edges, but I'd rather see someone try than just keep recreating Call of Duty or Halo over and over. The pacing struggles at the initial location, and they should kick you out into the open world in a half hour or so, as opposed to several hours in, which Bethesda figured out. It's a shame the clumsy nature of the first few hours will turn a lot of people off. Number two, the English voiceover is terrible. And this game shows how badly cast voice, how a badly cast voice can set the wrong tone for a game. If you switch to Russian and play it, the game feels very different. I'm not saying you have to play the game, but I'd encourage the switch and just trying it for a... Few minutes just to see how different it is. This is definitely not Duke Nukem or those types of games, but the English voiceover gives that impression with the dude bro acting. I think the storytelling when listening in Russian is on par with Bioshock's take on Ayn Rand. Number three, I agree with you. The sex bot vending machine is the worst written thing in the game. It does have a different tonal feel hearing it in Russian and not the English voiceover, but still the concept is awkward and not funny. But at least the game drops it, but that doesn't dismiss it as one of its failings. Number four, regarding the racist cartoons, if one is trying to depict how racist a society is, I don't think showing the racism is, in fact, racism. However, I don't think the tone of the game in the first few hours shows what its commentary on communism and collectivism is so easy to misinterpret. But I respectfully believe the dismissive statements last week were a bit misinformed as there is an interesting statement about communism going on here. Not quite the story of QJU, but maybe not what us Americans are expecting to be coming out of Russia these days with the unjustified war on Ukraine. It's similar to how many Americans didn't appreciate being judged on Trump during his administration. So that's Daniel's take on Atomic Heart, and I thought that was very uh, well articulated and I wanted to share it with folks. Uh I don't think that's going to persuade me to go back to the game. Uh but uh, it is interesting to hear a different perspective on it. All right. Let's move on and uh talk a, a little bit of VR. Virtual reality. VR. Virtual
0: reality. Just VR.
1: All right, PSVR 2 is you know, still getting a lot of playtime for me and, and Christian 2, and I want to get to that. But uh, Mitchell, I know that you have also played a VR game that lo- has been a huge hit, and I haven't even tried yet. Among Us VR. Tons of people have talked about this game being so much fun. Uh, do you
3: dig it? So I, I should uh, clarify, I've played this once with about like six people, six friends, just because I... So desperately wanted to play it. Uh, it. Among Us is such a hard game to to play with, with friends. You got to get, you know, 10 people together. You got to all, especially VR, you got to all have VR headsets. So I like, I put a call out on Twitter. I, I hit up some discords to get some like-minded folks in the game industry and managed to find like six people uh, and got to play like a handful of rounds. And man, it was a blast. Uh Among Us in VR is such a a unique experience uh compared to the you know the the mainline version of it in that like you know it's it's a game about social deduction, but you can only see what's in front of you. So right. like there's gonna be all kinds of crazy stuff happening behind you. You can be completely you know oblivious to it. Someone can walk in and be like, Mitchell, what the hell? You were right there when, <laughs> when this guy was murdered. What what happened? And, like, I didn't see anything, honest to God.
1: And, you know,
3: it creates creates, like these, these you know, super fun moments of, you know, accusing your friends in a very playful fashion. And it's just I wish I wish so hard that uh, I could get that it more reliably just because it's again, it's such a hard, hard game to get your friends to play. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's such a hard game to organize. Do you, my, I think my biggest
1: question is, do you think that the VR aspect of it is additive to the point where, like, you think it's a better game in VR or do you think it's just a different game in VR? I
3: kind of think it is better. Like, it, yeah. it is definitely different. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the tasks are more, are more fun when you're, like, actually, like, pushing buttons and, you know, moving a, a, a thing with your hand to, like, go around, like, a track. Um it's just – there's a lot of clever implementations of motion controls in completing those tasks on top of the already, you know, bona fide hit formula that Among Us is. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, this, the VR version of Among Us is. I think, sold a million copies. I think it's doing really, really well, and uh, I have yet to try it. I, I really want to. But as you said, it is a diff- difficult game to just sort of organize a party of over um
3: but well if you find a crew and you you need an extra if you need a (laughs) fill-in hit me up because i'm looking to play it again well that sounds sus (laughs) (laughs) Uh. i uh
1: i have to tell you listeners uh about the progression that leads us to where we are today which is uh if you listened last week you know that you know i've obviously been beating the drum about vr for a long time been very excited about playstation vr 2 launching christian speaking of sus uh played it off like he wasn't going to be getting the PS vr 2 surprised me last week that he did get it and had been playing a bunch of games we both went gaga over the vr implementation on gran turismo 7 i surprised him i'm not really very much a racing guy but I fell in love with, I was like, I think I might be a Gran Turismo player now. I, all I want to do is play Gran Turismo in VR. Um, so that was last week. Everybody knows that. Now, Christian has already sort of uh, spoiled it, but.
2: I mean, it's right. I can't not. Like, it's com- right there. My stand's not here yet. I keep hitting it. Cause I got uh, really, my stands on the way. So. Please stop
3: hitting your baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we talked. They're older now. You can do that when they get older. So <laughs> yes. Okay.
1: You, we talked uh, a little bit last week about the idea of getting a, a racing wheel. Well, there were a lot of texts that went back and forth this week. Christian's like, "I think I'm getting the, the racing wheel," and I said, "Okay, well, which one are you getting? I'm looking at these racing wheels. Which one do you want?" And uh, at a certain point, uh, Christian texted me this sale that we actually were pointed to by our Discord. Somebody in the Discord was like, "The Thrust on Masters. Patreon?"
2: No, on, on, on Patreon.
1: Oh, was it Patreon? A comment, a comment
2: on the post on Patreon. Yeah. Pat- uh, uh, our
1: our wonderful patron whose name escapes me at the moment but I'll find it um pointed christian to or yeah pointed you to the thrustmaster racing wheel on sale you texted me you said i'm getting this and then somehow my thumb also hit it so christopher christopher is thank you commented christopher. and told us yeah. the t248 so i I, I had the actual uh you know, forethought to take mine off of my desk or you would be seeing mine the whole time. But I removed mine from my desk before recording I'm not gonna the take, podcast. If
2: I take it off my desk, I'm not going to play it right after this. And I'm definitely <laughs> playing. It right anyway, right so we both
1: this. have the exact same model of the Thrustmaster wheel, which I think is what the 246 T- 248. 248.
2: 248. Um, Entry level, but wheel. Not the most basic, but certainly not a direct drive or anything. Not like that cheap. Either. Not the fanciest.
1: Not cheap, no, not but cheap. not crazy. Um. So tell me about your wheel experience with gt7 in in vr christian
2: oh jeff um our listeners might give me a hard time but i think this is the one year where you won't give me a hard time if it ends up being the case if there's ever a case that a vr game ends up as my favorite game of the year at the end of the year any vr game i feel like this year is the best chance that that there's ever been for a vr game to be one of my favorite games of the year at the end of the year and i don't think that you'll even be upset that it's technically uh add-on to a game that's already been out for a year Uh, because I've done that before. And I feel like this VR mode of GT seven is so complete that honestly, if they had released it as a, I was going to say $30, but honestly full price, like how does it, it, it's not a standalone game because it's free and it's part of it, but it's the whole game. And that to me, I'm already qualifying it for when we talk about it uh, nine months from now, that to me, Puts it available on that list. It's a mode that wasn't available in this entire mode, and it is so incredibly good. As we mentioned last week, you know I was blown away with it. I, I do love cars. I love. I, I used to track my own cars. Um, I love most racing games. I've always dabbled in buying a wheel. Longtime listeners of this show have probably, you know, it's like Ross or Rachel. Will he? Won't he? You know, it's all <laughs> wheel or no wheel. What are we going to do? And. PSVR 2 is the thing that put me over the edge because that mode is so complete, so fantastic. The depth that it provides makes the game almost easier and that you can sense where you are on a turn. When you're driving on Laguna Seca, you know what that hill is because you're approaching it. And even in a racing game, I usually don't play cockpit view because in most racing games, you're in the cockpit, the steering wheel taking up a, a fourth of your screen real estate which yes, technically is in your vision when you're driving in real life, but not really. You're not, your hands aren't in focus as you're driving. And playing in VR in the cockpit mode, it's an accurate representation of that. Yes, I can see my hands in the wheel, but because of the depth and the focus, I'm looking through them and out towards the windshield. And so knowing how much fun I was having with it, this was the time that I was going to invest in the wheel. And I've also now bought a stand that's not here yet. It, um, it really
1: is a bottomless pit of more things dude. to buy because uh, I was like, I, I got the full
2: cockpit to buy. Yeah. I
1: know. I was like, do I get a chair? Do I get a chair? <laughs> everything is $300. Everything is $250. It's like it's not there's no like, oh, I'll get the $20 extra thing. It's everything is hundreds of dollars more. I'm like, I can't. What, what's happening to me right now?
2: Yeah. And then it it it, it feels like buying an Apple product where it's like, <laughs> oh, you can get it. You want to get into sim racing entry level. Easy, easy entry level yeah. sim racing. But do you want this wheel? This is this is a Fantech wheel. It's really good. It's it's not that. I mean, you're already in. Right? You, we already have you for. You already bought PSVR two, which is already expensive. What are you doing? What, are you, um, playing with the wheel in VR is transformative. It is. I mean, it's different than Forza Horizon. It's a different style of game, but it is the best racing experience I've had. Dude, it's bonkers.
1: I, it's bonkers. I, I talked about
2: it on the show. I played in full cockpit, full screen surrounds in a driving chair with bolster like i i've played like full sim racing setup and playing that on a flat screen even with multiple screens all around you does not come close to what and i know there's been other vr people are yelling at the pc racing vr space that has been around for a while yeah i tried it a while ago and i got sick and i couldn't do it i am not getting sick with gt7 and for me coming into it it is so next level
1: i i want to live in it <laughs> <laughs> i i'll tell you the first the, so i <laughs> we went running around round. i don't even know how much of the story you need to tell but basically the i wasn't sure how to make the thing the, the thing work with ps5 it's got a weird there's like a mode button you have to hit to make it even talk to the ps5 so i t- i called christian christian's like ha 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 yes i couldn't figure this out either we, so i had been like in vr like trying to make the the wheel work it wasn't working i, I got i was getting frustrated literally like two things you you just push the mode and set it to ps5 and all of a sudden it works so i i didn't like come into it i came into i was already in is what i'm saying before the wheel was working so the car that i happened to have as my car that was selected was the go-kart oh (laughs) so i did which i had bought in gran turismo so I pushed the quick race button. Once I got the wheel working, I pushed the quick race button, and it threw me into a quick race in the go-kart. And it was the most fun thing. Go-karting with a real wheel. That's like fighting back on the, on the turns and stuff. And I'm getting, I'm getting the face feedback, you know, cause the PSVR two has yeah. feedback in, on your forehead. It vibrates on your face. I'm getting wheel feedback, I'm pressing bu- uh, pedals with my feet. It's 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 crazy. It's the future. It feels like the future. It feels like it's the most immersive thing I've ever done. I mean, I've done a lot of VR stuff, like in you know, you go to a building and they have the VR that's built to the same railings that you can reach out and touch, and there's, it, the railing is in the headset and also your hand to, and that's really cool. But driving. And seeing your hands on the wheel and like, you can, you can, I can make my desk chair relationship, the dynamic between mm-hmm. my desk mm-hmm. and chair match the dynamic in VR of where my hands are. And it is extraordinary. It's an extraordinary experience. How I'm, I'm literally turning my head and and in a car and checking my, my wind, my, my uh, mirrors and looking down at my hands and, and my hands are where my hands really are. And it's, it's a very expensive thing. This is not a cheap thing. All in. It's very expensive, right? Between we're the, at the entry level. And, yes, and we're at the expensive. entry level, but you know, between the wheel and the, and the PSVR two and the PlayStation five, it, it's a lot, right? But, Oh man, it is like, I haven't done it yet, Christian, but I'm going to set up a fan to like blow air at my face. It's <laughs> like to take it to the next level too. But it's an extraordinary experience. It's like the idea that anybody would want to play a racing game not doing this. Th- like, this is how you should play these games. It, on a 2D surface, it's like not even the same game, it's not even the same experience. It is really cool. I'm really glad about the wheel. It, it, you know, it's not cheap, but I, I can't imagine how much better wheels get than this. You know, a lot. Yeah. A lot better i mean there, there are wheels
2: that will because you know with this wheel setup we're not getting the the haptic feedback that you get from the dual sense of like you know kind of rumbling a tire off the like this yeah. will give you like as you start like i'm relearning my driving like i'm i'm not the best but i'm okay at grand and those types of games and i have to relearn what the feedback of the wheel is telling me as like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fishtailing. Like I need to correct this oversteer. I need to guide this, this understeer. I need to do that and learning the wheel feed feedback. But I feel like once that finally clicks the ability to kind of just flick your eyes over and look through a turn and push your head up through a turn and check where you're going and see the space of the cars around you in yeah. the HDR screens, when like you're playing at night in a car's lights, like to your detriment, because it's like real life, a light hits your rear view mirror. And because we're dumb animals at some level, you have to look at it. Like it steals your attention because it's HDR light hitting a reflective surface in the game. Oh man. It's
1: yeah. Awesome. Like when rain hits the windshield and your windshield wipers are on and you're driving through the rain and it's yeah. I mean, I feel like for the first time ever, a video game can probably make me a better driver. You know, like I, I think, I think this will actually teach me how to be a better driver. Um, and that's an amazing thing that I will get kind of get a real world skill out of it. Anyway, I I'm going to play, I'm playing GT for the first time in my life. I'm playing Gran Turismo um, and uh, digging it and having a great time. I really wish I could play. I'm going to, I'm going to play, Forza Horizon with the wheel. I wish I could play it in VR. I think it's it's a crime that you can't play that game in VR because I want to be playing that game as well. Um. Anyway, I'm 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 that guy now. I don't even know I I don't know who I am anymore. I'm playing Destiny and Gran Turismo. Who even am I? <laughs> I mean, granted, I also played a lot of Aces and Adventures, so I'm still me. But uh, yeah, 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 But you know, Gran Turismo. Who knew? It's so it's it's amazing. Anyway. Um, any other VR you want to talk about, Christian, real quick?
2: I want to talk about Moss 2. Yeah, so uh, good. Last week I talked about Moss 1, um, which I loved. and We talked about forever ago on this show way back when. Moss 2 is a game that released exclusively first on MetaQuest 2. And I was checked out of the Metaverse uh, by then, very much so. And I know it later came to PSVR 1, but I wasn't going to do that. It came to um, PSVR
1: 1 first oh did it and then, okay, PS- yeah, that and, was- then and then meta and then i think, then Metaquest. I think it's on, is it on steam it might be on steam. i think I it is it is
2: but it was like this thing of like oh i don't have a thing to play that i don't have a thing to play that and then psvr 2 was coming so this is my first experience playing moss 2 i might say something that seems like sacrilege to some folks but the more i played of moss 2 which i have not finished again because i have this this wheel next to me and also Lightfall. um I think if you are buying a PSVR two or you just bought one, I would put Moss two as the second or maybe third, but probably the second game. Like you should get, first GT seven second. I think it's Moss two like synth Riders is great. We talked about a lot of great games, but I think what's so beautiful about Moss and Moss two. And I can say why Moss two specifically here in a minute is that something that I think you've talked about, Jeff, that, moss shows what else vr games can be i think we all know even driving oh it's cockpit of course that makes sense oh beat saber of course
1: that makes sense pistol whip of course that makes even sense, horizon but, even horizon is yes. like it, of course it makes sense oh I'm, I'm doing a bow and arrow yes i get it yeah
2: yes and what moss 2 does one it's just a delightful game and looks incredible on psvr 2 but at its core it's a character action platform game that people in the discord were talking about like how does adding vr make it better it's just an experience it, it it fundamentally transforms playing the game and how you interact with this world and how you experience it and even watching it my daughter was playing it uh, earlier today and just blown away by it and even watching the experience on the social screen and thinking about playing it as a 2D game. It's it's just not the same, and I wish I was more articulate to be able to explain it. It's just not. And so I think if you have VR, this is why I think it is the number two game I would for sure recommend for PlayStation VR, is because it shows you. And again, I don't think all games should be in VR. I'm not that person. But I, I think it shows you what VR can do in addition to all the things you already know it can do. And the reason I think I would say Moss 2 over moss one which i have finished and is also excellent moss 2 does a good recap of what moss one was but moss 2 also i haven't finished it yet but it feels like it's super mario galaxy 2 like it's all the awesome things of moss which is about four to five hours and i've played that of moss 2 already and this is longer than that and it feels like it took all those awesome ideas from moss one and truly made them all better i am blown away by how good this game is and i know jeff you talked about it a bunch last year, but you didn't do a good enough job. It's your
1: fault. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have a headset to play it on. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, you're right. It, it it is a great sequel in the sense that it makes takes everything that was great in the game, retains that, and adds a whole bunch of new stuff that's great. And it is it is truly gorgeous in in this new headset. I mean, it's such an improvement on PS5. Uh, they you know they made everything prettier, and I played it on on. PlayStation four pro in PSVR one. And it was already really nice looking there. It wasn't anything. It wasn't bad, uh, but here it's so much better. And you know, the controllers are better and it, it, you're inside it. You're inside it's that so world. Good. And you feel like you're interacting with a little creature that is real. Like that's, yeah, that is the, I think that is the fundamental magic of that game. It, it Because of VR, you, the size is correct. It's a mouse, very smarter than to make it a mouse. It feels like it's the size of a mouse, and you're in these little diorama mouse worlds. And you feel like a visitor inside a place that already exists. And that is just a truly magical experience. Um, and there's a lot you, of really cool new gameplay mechanics that they introduce and fun stuff. You're manipulating the environment in new ways. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. All right. Um, I want to read a quick email that we got this week. Dan sent us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com saying, uh, hey, I have a question for you regarding the PSVR 2. I'm currently looking at three months of bedbound time due to a recent accident where I broke my knee. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, Dan. Ouch. My question is, how much of PSVR 2 would I be able to experience with no mobility at all? Is this a wait-for-recovery product, or is it something that will revolutionize my, hi- my time at home? Thanks for doing what you do, Dan. Uh, I suspect you'll agree with me, Christian, in saying that you can absolutely 100% play this without having to stand up. Like almost every game, I I can, almost every game has a seated mode Uh, and you can be super rear window, Mr. Rear Window and uh, enjoying uh, tons. I mean, Moss is a great example, seated experience for sure. But even the games that you think are, you know, standing, you can play them seated. In fact, I play a lot of games seated uh, you know, I'm, I'm climbing stuff in horizon, sitting on my chair, you know, you, you, I believe it is the latter. It is the, uh, the revolutionize my time at home type experience, but Christian, maybe you have a dis- different opinion.
2: Yes, but only because you should be playing GT7 with the wheel and pedals. <laughs> <So> which, <laughs> which knee is it? Um, and the, and yeah. then the other serious caveat would be if this is your per- first VR headset, I would honestly wait. Because i if you're truly supposed to be immobile, I think you will have moments where you involuntarily like, oh, and I would hate for you to hurt your knee. <laughs> nah, I say you, risk
1: it. You yeah. only live once. Get in there. Get in that VR uh anyway. yeah uh, thank you dan for the question i hope we hope you uh you know, heal quickly and, and recover quickly and we will be thinking about you but i i think it would be a great a great thing to have to help the recovery time i uh, get to visit all you get to kayak get that kayaking game kayak to your heart's content get out in the world feel like you're out in the world it'd be amazing all right uh that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc we do have parting gifts coming up so stick around for those But my goodness, has it been fun? Mitchell Saltzman, thank you for being with us. It's been such a blast talking with you. Uh, Thanks for being here.
3: Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This has been awesome. Awesome experience. Uh, Tell folks where they can keep up with you and the stuff that you do online. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Jurassic Rabbit. If you like watching uh, people on Twitch, I have a Twitch at Jurassic Rabbit. I only really stream on Fridays with my buddy, Phil um we are currently going through dead space remake which has been just amazing i i i played the original dead space up to like maybe halfway through and then stopped so uh very much looking forward to getting through the rest of the game this time
1: yeah oh my gosh what a what a cool game to be uh streaming with a buddy that sounds like a fun time yeah uh awesome christian spicer what about you what do you got going on this week
2: As I mentioned earlier, Dave Chen and I are recapping episodes of The Last of Us as they air uh, on HBO. I believe this week's is already up. You can find that at Decoding TV, wherever you get your podcasts. And for folks who are paid members over at Decoding TV, Dave and I do bonus episodes where we kind of break down the differences between the game and the TV show. The main episodes are from just a TV show watcher's perspective only. So if you are new to the series, it's a great way to get a companion pod without worrying about things being spoiled. And if you love the show so much and you really want to dive into the world of the video game, I hosted the official The Last of Us podcast for Sony and Naughty Dog. And uh, Neil Druckmann and I did an episode before the season started talking about things without being spoilery. And then um, there's another one coming after the season wraps where Neil and I get to talk again and kind of talk about all the things we couldn't talk about beforehand. So you can find that at the official the last of us podcast wherever you, you, you get them. And then I have my graphic novel consequences that I have. Uh, I got some extra physical copies of. I wish I had one to hold right now, but if you are interested in that, you can find them over at com slash store. And I think everyone who has ordered, I have them all out. So thank you for those. And I still have a few left. If you want to hop over there and pick one up for yourself, uh, please do.
1: Very cool. Mine is right over there. I could go grab it, but you know, I, I saw like... was mine, but like, my wheel's right here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Your baby. Uh, I, uh, I can be found on Twitter at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, also, other shows, including the film cast, talking about movies and TV shows. I think we're talking about Creed 3 this week. You can find that uh, anywhere you get podcasts by searching for the film cast. I also do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com, and a sports show called uh, The Fan-Controlled Show. You can find that at Fan-Controlled Sports and Entertainment on YouTube, on Twitter, on Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts.
0: Hey, give us a suggestion.
1: Mitchell, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
3: Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I mentioned on our uh, planning doc that I was going to talk about Poker Face, which is great. You should watch it. But I actually want to talk about uh, a little anime called Monster, which mm. is on Netflix. Uh, it was added a couple months ago. Only the, the, the first 30 episodes were added. They recently added all 70-something of them. It is a bit of a, of a time commitment, but it is my pick for the greatest anime of all time Wow, in terms of storytelling and characterization and the fact that it's, it's an anime, but if, if you are turned off by all the things that usually come with anime, which is like, you know, hyper exaggerated expressions, very loud emotions. This is a very gritty, dark, uh, thriller. Um, that is just, I can't say enough good things about it. So please check out monster. Uh, I I would love to see them add the English dub, which is also phenomenal. Liam O'Brien is the voice of the main character, and just I want more people to talk about it.
1: <laughs> wow, I'm I'm going to check this out. Hearing you, who are an anime aficionado, say this is the best anime of all time, I'm in. I'm in.
3: Yeah, I mean, there are there are definitely animes out out there that I you know probably have more fun watching, but I think just in terms of the quality of storytelling, Monsters on another level. Wow.
1: Cool, I'm looking at the page on Netflix right now. I love how all the episodes are just really close-ups of people's faces as a thumbnail. <laughs>
3: um,
1: cool, Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift?
2: Also something to watch, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which is on Disney+. Plus. Um, it is a Marvel show, but is not an MCU show. This show exists outside of the MCU, so if you're perhaps tired of keeping up with everything that's happening in the MCU and want a really cool... Animation style, it is family friendly. Um, Moon Girl is just such an awesome character and to see this representation on Disney plus. It, it is not a throwaway kid show by any stretch of the imagination, but it's also not HBO's Harley Quinn, you know, <laughs> it's not uh, animated comic book show for adults only. It is very much uh, a show that you can watch with your family, have a great time with. the animation's awesome. The music is awesome. Um, the way it's designed, and some of the cuts and the action and the edits are really, really sharp and smart. Um, so, if you have Disney Plus and you're kind of maybe feel burnt by the mainstream Marvel stuff right now that they're continuing to churn out, don't let me rephrase. I'd say don't not check out. That's just bad English. Mm. Check out Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. I think you might really like
1: it. I. Concur. I, I really enjoyed that show, and uh, I love the animations. It reminds me of old, like, Invader Zim. You know, like, mm. uh, it's, it's very fun. Very fun show, and uh, really kind of heartwarming as well. Um, my parting gift it, its kind of a surprise. My wife, w- even before we were married, when I first met her, she said to me, if we ever get a chance to see Bruce Springsteen in concert, we have to go. She's like, he's my favorite artist of all time. We have to go. I was never a big Springsteen fan. I like the hits. I like, you know, I and mean, there's a million hits, but I like, you know, I like Glory Days. I like, uh, you know, Born to Run. You know, I, I like the this, this stuff that everybody knows. I bought the Greatest Hits CD when I was in high school. Um, I'll put a bandana
2: in the back pocket of our jeans at one time. Yeah, like, yeah. I'll,
1: I'll listen to the streets of Philadelphia, you know, uh, whatever. But uh, I was never, a, a, I never kind of got why people love it. But I love my wife and I, it was her favorite thing. And friend of the show, Danish Syed, uh, reached out and said, hey, they're playing in Denver. I'm going to come see you. Do you guys want to go? And so I'll like, say, oh, yeah, I'm wanting to take my wife. So months and months and months ago, we bought tickets. This last weekend was the show at the Ball Arena, big arena show. It was the greatest concert I have ever seen. And I'm not exaggerating. I, my favorite artist of all time is Prince. I've seen Prince over a dozen times. I didn't think it could be better than seeing Prince in concert. Seeing Bruce Springsteen is was like, it wasn't a concert, it was like a seismic event. The dude is <sighs> 72 years old. He did not stop for two and a half hours. And it was, it, I mean, did not stop. A song would go into the next song. There was no stopping down between songs. And it was, crescendo after crescendo after cres- it was like a religious experience i i don't even know how to contextualize it i only i'm not even a fan and it was it felt like what I, when we walked out of it i turned to danish and my wife and i said that felt like a celebration of being alive i've never experienced a concert like that anyway so my parting gift is if bruce springsteen is anywhere near you I don't think there's a lot more opportunities to see him, but even if even if you're not a fan like I was, Bruce Springsteen and the e Street, e Street Band is one of the greatest experiences, live experiences I have ever had. It was unbelievable. So that's my parting gift. Go see Bruce Springsteen if you can afford it and you can go. I mean, the tickets are not cheap, but man, anywhere in the building, anywhere in the building, incredible. Um... We have a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It was sent to us by Stephen, who writes, uh, I want to recommend a parting gift on behalf of my wife, Allie, who, when the credits rolled, said, quote, this movie would be my parting gift, unquote. Thank you, Allie. I love that you're thinking about the show, even when you're watching movies. Uh, the movie is called... Catherine called birdie is directed by Lena Dunham and stars the charming Bella Ramsey, who is Ellie in the last of us uh, in a coming of age story set in medieval England. Bella's character, the titular birdie navigates friendships and growing pains through her unique spunk and curious spirit, a delightful and easy watch available on Amazon prime. As always, thanks for all you do, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, this is not on my radar at all. I'd never heard this. I heard of this, but now I want to check it out. Catherine called birdie is the movie. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on the show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send those. All right. That does it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Mitchell Saltzman and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L Sean Madigan and zero star for those bumpers Thanks to our theme song composers, White Cube, which is uh, Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Uh, You can get swag for the show, hats and t-shirts and mugs at dlcswag.com. Thanks to Jesse J. Anderson for creating that site. And thanks especially to our patrons who make this show possible. Without you, we wouldn't be doing it. So thank you for being a patron at patreon.com slash dlcpod. Our top-tier patrons, the Hype Train patrons, get their names read out at the end of every episode, and Christian's going to do that right now. Hype Train
2: time! It is my honor to thank our Hype Train patrons for supporting this show. I want to thank Rob, Wonder Rob, Dominguez. I want to thank Dwayne T. Robinson, Kevin Eddy, Brian Yordan, Hyperboy66, David Epp, John Cisco, Matt Valdez, Andy Joyce, Anthony Goulas, Dan Flanagan, Sasan, Adam Denby, Scooby Diesel, Jonathan Talbert, Chris Zacharias, Will, with just one Al Harris, Jonathan Putney, Mark Gowland, Malcolm King, Dan, Palmino, Ben, Kevin Brazel, Stu Goss, Jonathan, Spiceman,
0: forever!
2: Suplifer, Albert, for how Dio's. Silencer You've killed him. Oh, that'd be the new one. I'll just do voices like this, baby. I think that might hurt my <laughs> hurt my throat worse. Mike Lombardo, Michael Buck, Peter Olberg, Jad, Christian Bravery, Octavian Ratziu, Jason Novak, Tyler Wiggert, Josh Peake, Nick Strauss Klein, Michael Stadler, Jackson, Travis, Sornsilk, Silk, Yick, Zachary White, Nate, Jenny, Scott Hughes, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mitchell Ness, Jeff Lucksack, Matt Bradley, Victor Valenzuela, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Michael S, Relentless Rex, Curtis from Louisville, Comedian Aaron Trahan, Joe Wukin, Scott Lambert, Joe D. Frank, Steven, Seifert, Tyler Buckwild Broad. Thank you all so very much from the bottom of our hearts. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.